everyone, Donald Wine here, and I'm especially proud to be a part of this special We The Change roundtable this evening as part of the rollout of the member shirt this year. The players asked us to be the change. We, as an organization, have accepted that call by signaling to them that we the change. And as we move into the new year, we are asking everyone to look within yourselves and, and let us know what we the change means to you. So what we want to do tonight was grab some of our trusted chapter leaders to come together and have a discussion on what we the change means to them and what change they wish to see happen in our organization and US soccer and just soccer as a whole. We'll also touch on Black History Month, obviously this being February and with She Believes coming up, we will touch on that as well. But let me bring in these five wonderful people. I'm going to let them introduce themselves because I could not possibly introduce them in a way that does them justice. I will start with the ladies, Crystal, you're up. Okay. Hey, so uh, this is Crystal. I'm the chapter president for American Outlaw San Jose, uh, one of the chapter founders. I'm also the Region 15 uh, chapter advisory uh, representative. Great. Welcome. Ebony, you're up. Uh, I'm Ebony. I'm the president of American Outlaws Raleigh. I am also the regional rep uh, for the Carolinas. That's about it. That, I mean, you do a lot. Well, well that, that was good. That was a nice little brief <laughs> show. Uh, Abe, Abe, uh, please tell the people who you are. I'm Abe, chapter VP of American Outlaws Minneapolis St. Paul. I think we're chapter number 47, memory serves. Uh, yeah, I, I try not to do too much, but apparently I do a lot. You do a lot. Yeah, but don't, don't sell yourself short. Nobody on this, on this panel does anything less than everything. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, and last but not least, Marcel, the OG, tell them who you are. Hey everyone, this is Marcel. I'm the chapter president for the American Outlaws DC chapter, chapter number six. Been around since pretty much the chapter was founded and just happy to be here today with everybody. Great, yeah, we're happy to have everyone. And I just wanna start with a simple question. Obviously, we the change can mean a lot of things. But I, I think it's also a, a simple question with a complex answer. And I will start with Abe. Abe, what does we the change mean to you? Um, we the change to me means being about the life through our actions and not just our words. It means finding ways to push through barriers that keep being erected in front of progress and signaling to everyone else, you might have an idea about who we are, but we're gonna show you, not just tell you that you're wrong. Crystal? Uh, kind of similar vein of Abe. Uh, I mean, I see we the change and I immediately think of the players asking us to be the change. So we have to be responsible for our words and our actions and go ahead and go out into our communities and in our world and make a better, make it a better place, more equitable place for everybody. Marcel, what about you? Well, I think I'm pretty similar in what these guys have been saying. I mean, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's something else entirely to walk the walk. You know, are we creating, especially as chapter leaders, are we doing the most that we can for our chapters, for AO as a whole, for our communities? Are we doing, are we involved in charitable concerns? Are we creating an atmosphere that people would want to come and be a part of AO and learn more about this 
worldwide network that's been set up this organization. And what are we doing with the money that we bring in, with the access that we have? Like, what are we doing with it? Are we making a difference for somebody? If, we're, if, if nothing else, are we creating a good atmosphere to make people want to get involved in soccer where people, you know, from all walks of life will feel comfortable coming to a watch party and not feel like, oh, this is just there's too many of these or I'm not welcome here. You know, are, are we making everyone welcome here? If nothing else, we need, we, we, that's what we should be doing that if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. And Ebony? Um, to me, kind of echoing what everyone said, we, we the change kind of means, um, yeah, talk is good, but what are your actions to back up the change that you want to see? Um, and what are you personally doing with the people around you to make it happen? Because change has to start with you personally first before you can branch it out to others. So it's kind of like what change is happening internally before you can externally change the, whether it's an organization, family, friends, whatever it is you're working on. Yeah. And, and really, I think you guys touched on a lot of, you know, what I feel, but like, I, I if I had to summarize what I felt, it'd be for us not to be comfortable with complicity because over the years we've been comfortable with just, Oh, don't worry about it. it it'll, it'll blow over. You know, you don't have to worry about that. We will, we'll protect you in the stand. We'll protect you over here. We'll, you know, back you up over here. Uh, and that doesn't always happen. Right. And, and you, you, I'm, I'm sure there's times where all of you feel that like, you feel like you're, you're running and you have nobody running with you. You have nobody, in, in the driver's seat, you have nobody in the passenger seat, you have no one behind you in the back seat, nobody's with you. And, and that's what I want to see. And it leads kind of to my next question of like, when, when we run this race together, right? Like the five of us, we're going to be running in the 2021. We're already in it. It feels like we've gone 14 years and it's only February 9th as we record. But what, when we look back at 2021, what's something that you hope will be a tangible change that you could say, Hey, we, we may not have done everything, but we, we got that done. And that was important. Uh, Ebony, I'll, I'll start with you with that. Um, ooh, okay. Um, if I were to look back on 2021, I hope that the one thing we can change is accountability, although not tangible, but it does make a huge difference. Um, because that's kind of where not only AO, but like a lot of groups have flat. Um, and it's, it's the way that we progress. Like you can't move forward until you've addressed the problems. There's accountability in place and we work together towards a, a solution. And if I don't do anything, I wanna make sure that people know that we are working hard to collaborate for solutions and it starts with accountability. So I think if anything I do for, whether it's AO for my other soccer groups, is that we understand that we are all accountable for all of the actions that happen within our space and we have to be able to handle that in a responsible way. No, that's a good point. And I, I'm going to kind of switch questions, but you can kind of take it however you need. Like she, she talked about like who, like 
the accountability from from us as chapter leaders, members, the organization, U.S. Soccer, whatever, right? Like, what what change can AO do? What can where where does AO kind of fall flat? And, and it's not necessarily in a bad way. Like, it could be a bandwidth issue. It could be you know just we there's too many people and we haven't addressed it you know fully or or properly. But like when we're talking about tangible change, like what change can come from this group? What change can come from AO? Visibility, I would, I would say just being, being present. So, you know, whenever we have something that goes wrong, it seems like everyone goes quiet rather than, um, you know, address the issue or uh, be vocal. And, and I mean, it's not just when something bad happens. Sometimes we just, just go absent and we could be better about showing up um, even when there's not a game, an eminent game or in, like I said, something bad happens. I absolutely agree. I mean, I know <clears throat> you always have a fine line between being a fully political capital P organization and political as in taking a stance and holding a position, but ultimately having a platform means being able to at least let people know what the organization really stands for and then let people who disagree with that go away so that there's room for others to do comply with that. You know, people are saying, oh, well, I just want to watch soccer. I'm not here for politics. And it's like, you can't be coupled with you. <laughs> you can't watch soccer and not be into politics. I'm just it's, saying. It's just how life is. There's politics. It, it goes down to like, <laughs> you know, you got stories like, you know, I remember when I was playing traveling soccer and like I only signed up because some of my friends from high school were playing there. And I was like, all right, cool. I want to play with my friends. And that year, because of where the cutoff was, I was in a different age group with my peers than I was necessarily with what they wanted me. My first year I played on two teams, basically. I got double the soccer because I was playing on my friend's team, which was up the age, had no problem, started sometimes, you know, whatever. But the next year when I came back with that whole fun in mind, there's parents who saw that, got mad about it, and they're like, whoa, you know, he, sh he shouldn't be playing up on this team. My kid should be doing that, so on and so forth. So now suddenly I only can play up so many times on my friends' team. The whole reason why I was in this organization in the first place, mm -hmm. that's politics. It's different than who you vote for, but it's no different than taking an opportunity away from someone solely because you saw them getting a thing that you weren't. Not, that's, I mean, oh. that's a good point. It's, it's even like, you know, I think everything, people like to dumb everything down to politics. And it's not that everything isn't political in a way, but sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes, like, human rights aren't political. And if we advocate for human rights, that's advocacy. It's not being, you know, look, I live, Marcel and I live in Washington, D.C. We live in the home of politics. We know what's political and what isn't. And Telling someone that they matter or telling someone that they are welcome and that they're and that everyone that looks like them or acts like them or feels like them or believe believes what they believe is welcome too. That's not a political thing. That is the, that is a human rights thing where we say, hey, we are an organization that is inclusive and is welcoming to all walks of life. We have differing opinions, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is our organization. This is our family and family's going to fight. 
Family's going to have disagreements. We're not all going to, I mean, five of us have had disagreements on something, maybe something stupid, but we, we have them, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, you have to have, like you said, advocacy work and the advocacy be say, hey, look, you may not believe that Black Lives Matter, but we do. And that is an inherent part of our organization. We have trusted people who believe that. We have trusted people who walk that every single day. And you're going to be, if we're going to be an organization, we're going to be one that stands with them and walks with them. So that's, you know, kind of what 2021 has become for me. 2020, in a way, did as well, but just kind of carry that work with me. Marcel, pick up, you know, where I left off, anything that you wanted to add. Oh, I just, I think everyone here has been spot on so far. I mean, we need accountability. We need visibility. We need people to know that the chapter leaders are where the buck stops. I mean, like, if you need anything, come to us. And also, I guess for me personally, representation is important too. And I want that to continue because, you know, when it's so important for everyone to see, oh, wait, like someone that looks like me can be part of this organization, can be a chapter leader. That's important. And, you know, the organization has changed quite a bit from when you and I joined, when DC started. And that's a great thing. And I want that to continue. Um, but yeah, I just think that more of a, you know, not even a political mindset, just like um, advocacy for like human rights, for equality. I don't think that's political. And I don't think that people should get upset with the new chapter shirt being we the change, having equality, having equal rights, having Black Lives Matter on it. I mean, those are not political things. And so increasing that awareness and making clear, making clear that differentiation, I think that's something pretty important to accomplish this year. And I think that this shirt, and I think that this, this discussion we're having now is gonna help a whole lot towards that. Yeah, and you mentioned the phrases and, and believe me, there was back and forth over which phrases should be included and uh, which ones kind of represented everything and tied everything together. And also, you know, even the story of if we include these five and we don't include others, are we neglecting them? And so we had to figure out a way to kind of embody all of that while also leaving room for people to add on other things that may not be necessarily written on the shirt. But with those five phrases, united, equality, stop racism, inclusion, and equal pay, all of them are important. But is there one that stands out to you that when you saw you're like, yes, hell yes, it's on the shirt? Ebony? Um, mostly uh, in racism. That one was a big one, um, especially because it was literally on like players' jackets as they were standing there for the national anthem or kneeling for the national anthem. Um, and then it shows up on our shirts. Um, that one was a really big one um, for me and equal pay, just because it's a very big topic and it's insane that it's still a topic. Right. <laughs> it's insane that any five of these things are still a topic. Um, but those two were the biggest ones that like stood out to me the most. When we had the... Uh we hosted the women's national team just after the gold cup and the victory tour as it was. And the equal pay chant started. It was a beautiful thing because I'm standing there watching a whole stadium full of people who normally, you know, I will say the 
a crowd for a women's national team match is usually a little bit more subdued, a uh-huh. little bit more chill. And you had an entire stadium that was like, yeah, we're having a good time. We're still partying, but we're also still going to be like, yeah, but equal pay. Like we had an all all women. Um, well, oh, sorry. Maggie goes by they now. My mistake. Well, we had a, an all non-male <laughs> capo stand for much of the match. And when the equal pay chant was going, you had, you know, a wife and a mother and um, another mother standing there leading that chant saying, yeah, we're here. We're people who are just as rowdy as everybody else, but we're not going to stand by and watch and be quiet as inequity is perpetuated. And that was a wonderful moment. Yeah. Bristol, what do you think? It's, I mean, it's all intersectional, right? I mean, they're all kind of intertwined in their own way. So if we're talking about ending racism, uh, I mean, implications of equal pay, even in society, there are levels, not just female and male, we're talking about there's racism within that scheme as well. So, you know, just societally, men make more than, you know, white women, Latinx, black women. So, I mean, it's, it's all intertwined um, for me. So, you know, equal pay, racism, inclusion, they all come together. Yeah. What about you, Marcel? I totally agree with what Crystal just said. I mean, it's because like it, it's, it, they're all tied together because if true people truly embrace equality and truly practice equality, then racism isn't an issue. Equal pay isn't an issue. None of those things are issues if people truly believe in equality. They're all tied together, but that would be the one word for me, just equality, because if people truly embrace that, nothing, the, the, other, the other things go away. The, other, the need for the other things go away. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the one that says, you know, I was choosing between children, but I'll, I'll tell you, when, when we were doing the, like, drafts of what would go on there and stop racism ended up in the middle, I was like, whoo, boy. <laughs> this is going to be great. Well, like, I, 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 like... If, if you could see, I couldn't duplicate my reaction. It was literally just like, it's like, I don't care what y'all do with the rest of them, but this one, this one stays in. This one's in the ball game, right? So, and it, it makes sense because for me, it's, it, it's been very important, not just since, you know, May 25th, 2020 in Abe's neck of the woods. It's been, been a problem before that. And, and all of these have been problems before that. We've been talking, we've been chanting equal pay since the 2015 World Cup. We've won two World Cups since then. Like, like this is a big issue. And, and, and the fact that we are, I thought it was important that we take that stand and say, hey, like, we're all missing the mark here. And if we're, if we're not going to miss the mark, if we're going to miss the mark after what's been going on the last six months, then we failed as, as, as people. So let's be about what we say we're about. Let's we haven't changed our ideals. We haven't changed our, our talking points. We haven't changed what we think and, and how we react to things. We just showing it a little bit more. And I think that a lot of people have, have confided in me that that is something that really hits home because we haven't represented all the way. We've been, we, we as an organization, we do, but we never outwardly say it. And so that's something that I thought was important that this year we outwardly say it, we back it up and, Luckily, we have, you know, you guys and others out there that back that up too every day and that hopefully you guys have a sense of pride that you're walking, you can wear that shirt and go, 
yeah uh-huh we about to do this today we about to we about to make some change damn it like whatever that whatever whatever psychs you up right so those are those are the ideals that i think really embody everything i think crystal you put it perfectly when it says they all that you say they all intertwine i do want to move on to black history month because it is february we only have 28 days we should take advantage of this one uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ebony's lights cut out. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get Ebony. Oh, there we go. There we go. Ebony's back. Um, but I wanted to switch to Black History Month because obviously important. Uh, and this is one question that I was just like, just kind of get a sense of who, who you are because we all have different different thoughts. But who are your, some of your heroes? Both you can, you can either say on the field or just in society uh, that you think people should be studying or researching during black history month they, they may know i mean it can be you know demarcus beasley who everyone knows but it could be someone that everyone doesn't so marcel give me a name or give me two or whoever mm -hmm. that you think people should be like hey you know do a little bit extra on this one. Oh, okay i'll give you one that was recently in the news because he recently passed away hank aaron um just because he was able to hit a home run ball better than anyone in american history he had to go through so much and deal with so much hatred. Where if he was born with a different skin color, he would have been glorified and held up as a living legend while he was still playing. And he handled it with so much grace and style that is just unfathomable, unfathomable to me. So that's the one I really admire. I don't really look up to a lot of athletes. I mean, I respect and admire athlete skills for the most part, but that's someone that I can count as someone that I admire and I hold up as a hero because of what I know he had to go through and what I know that did to him and how we refuse to let it break him. Um, that's one. Also, you know, just continuing on baseball, Jackie Robinson. I mean, like these legends, these pioneers who went through so much, who dealt with so much, but I'll make it you know, a bit more personal. Um, I went to Howard University here in DC. My dorm I stayed in my freshman hall was named after Dr. Charles Drew, a surgical pioneer who died because he was in a car crash and couldn't get a blood transfusion. So, I mean, things like this, I mean, like, people, I think a lot of people don't like the struggles and what you have to deal with just because they have skills and abilities, but because of the color of their skin, they have to deal with so much. Those are what, I mean, and people who deal with it and can persevere and make change in this world. So those are kind of people, some people, some, some of the people I look up to. No, those are great ones. Uh, and that's a great example about, uh, about Howard. I mean, Howard has a... a who's who book of people you could study that was a good one um, that you that yeah. you mentioned um crystal what about you um so couple for me uh just because i'd mentioned the word earlier of intersectional intersection uh intersectionality um i would kind of throw in the word or the name bell hooks uh just because she was the one that really pioneered that and um also feminism uh, a lot to go to her uh, just because it was, I don't know, I was really thinking on this and I, I don't have a ton of heroes in general. I mean, a lot of people I look up to for their individual actions, but uh, someone who came to mind when you asked that question was uh, Coretta Scott King and that everyone thinks of her more as just the wife of MLK, but not really that, you know, she picked up what he was doing and amplified it. You know, he, she's the reason we have MLK day. She also not just extending what she did, you know, what he did with civil rights, she extended that further out to LGBTQ rights, immigrant rights, 
and just the legacy that she that she had. So I would I would include her in that as well. Abe. Um, man, I mean, it's wild because yeah, I'm, I've never been someone who necessarily like. I definitely don't idolize athletes, right? You know, it's like they're people. They might do amazing things. Um, sometimes they do things that you're just like, that's crazy. Uh, I heard the story. I've always been a fan of Bill Russell, even though I've never been a Celtics fan. And what's wild to me is that he didn't actually accept his Hall of Fame ring for a very long time until the player, uh, what's his name? Ch- Chuck Cooper, who in 1950 was the first African-American player drafted by the NBA who got inducted. It wasn't until after Chuck Cooper got inducted to the Hall of Fame that Bill Russell, who needs no introduction to any basketball fan, finally said, oh, okay, now I can take that ring. I mean, that that just speaks volumes to someone's character to be like, no, I'm, I'm just going to, I'll wait. If you're not going to recognize those who came before me, I don't care. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Langston Hughes is someone who, man, so much of what he's written has always spoken to me in so many different ways and so many different times, you know, the laughter, the sadness, the, the ways in which he would put things a hundred years ago that still speaks to the truth of America right now. Um, I've been, I've been paying more and more attention to what James Baldwin wrote and it's, you know, it's a shame he was gone so soon for the output that he did, but, uh, just how incisive that mind was um i don't know man i just there's just so many people you can learn from and it's it's wild how how terrible social media can be but yet how beautiful it can be for access to people whose thoughts and opinions we never would have heard of the number of phenomenal you know uh women who i follow on twitter who have such brilliant things to say on so many different things also, how many cackles I can get from Ebony waking up and choosing violence. I mean, <laughs> ooh, buddy. She's been doing that lately, too. She has. On Twitter. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, I can wake up and be Man. on one, but I usually just put the Twitter down. Like, I, I, there's, a lot, there's a lot of violence in my drafts, but I don't usually tweet it out. <laughs> Ebony just... Just tweet the violence. Just tweet it. Okay. Tweet through it. Tweet through it. Just gotta let that go. She lets that thing go all the time. Um, so honestly, like, just I, I gotta say, like, seeing how well we can organize through means like social media, and seeing groups pop up that that will speak to truths that people don't want to face in the soccer community in this country, it's it's comforting just to have that constant touch point of knowing, hey, we're not alone. We we are in this together. And that's that's also been a beautiful thing to me too. Ebony, the, the outside of the violence uh, that you uh <laughs> you zoom on Twitter sometimes. Uh, who are your who are your heroes at least or people that you think others should be focusing on? Um, so like a lot of everybody that said, I don't really idolize players or athletes because they are human. Um, they do dope stuff and I appreciate them doing dope stuff, um, which I can recognize and appreciate and follow. Um, so to keep it on like the sports side, um, 
definitely Crystal Dunn, Jess McDonald, Marcus Beasley, like you mentioned earlier, um, Kobe. Uh, he embodied a lot of like that mentality of work hard now so you can enjoy it later. But his work hard now was every day. And he got, but he also got to enjoy it every day too. So it was kind of like having those people that can inspire you, but you don't have to necessarily idolize. Um, I would definitely lean more towards those. Um, Kaya from Washington Spirit, although she's no longer with them. Um, it's just when players can allow you to hear their trauma and hear their growth and hear how something has affected them mentally, physically, emotionally, but they've still bounced back from it. Those are the type of stories that I look for because I want to see what they're doing so that I can amplify that. Um, yeah, I think just that. I mean, and then on the personal side, like I have friends that are doing dope things that are very inspiring. Like Doug just made, just released his um, supporters group for the spirit. Um, Rocks has been in this game forever uh, and doing his thing. Um, Kurt down at Footy Mob. Um, you know, it's just amplifying. I would never want to say that I'm idolizing these people, but I'm inspired by the work that they're putting in, just like the work we put in to grow Black spaces within the soccer community. Oh, yeah. I forgot one. I want to sneak in real quick. I completely forgot it. And it's black girl hockey club on twitter oh, yes Renee as a hockey fan i the number of times <laughs> i would show up to a hockey match a hockey game or whatever i can't remember what it's called right now brain um hockey game show up wearing my jersey wearing a beanie you know shouting about things about like you know why aren't you back checking so on and so forth and still get people put eyes on me being like do you even like hockey and it's like I noticed you didn't ask anyone else around me that question. Oh, was was it because I'm too melanated for you? Is that is that why I can't like hockey? So yeah, Black Girl Hockey Club, love that. Love the space. Love the fight of getting actual NHL teams. NHL talk about a team. Uh, talk about a league with some issues. Getting them to 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 actually open their eyes to what they're missing. And saying things, it's it's a lot more than what the NFL tries to say about how they're trying to make way for things. Yeah, I this year for me, like I always look back and, and look at the past and look at that you know, we may have had years past or stories that we may have had. Like I, I think one of the one of the Ill dopest stories ever is that DDA Drogba literally organized the World Cup qualifier to stop a civil war. Like how do you like? Who does that? Like, it's incredible when you think about it, just, just that statement. But you, when you dig into the layers of like how he did it and why he did it and what he had to do to get it done and the fact that it actually works, like, is, is incredible. But I also look at the Black history that is currently being written. Uh, and no better example of that, I mean, among many, there, but there's one I think that stands out is just the formation of black players for change last summer and just how they, how quickly they came together, how quickly they were able to mobilize, organize and, and strategize and all the other eyes that killer Mike said on that, in that speech in Atlanta. But like they literally did that 
in the span of like two weeks and got everyone, people from around the world on a WhatsApp and on a Slack and was like, let's just make this, bang this out and make it happen. And now they're like, they're doing, they're planning, you know, merchandise, they're raising money for projects all across the country. They've helped spawn two other, you know, black collectives in the USL and the NWSL, you know, you, you now have U.S. soccer, uh, you know, talking about fully removing the uh, policy to uh, uh, ban kneeling at the, during the national anthem. You have the players saying, you know, fuck it. And do, and basically just do it, do it like you aren't you aren't taking this seriously enough. Let, allow us to do it for you uh, and making their own demonstrations. And you see that across Major League Soccer and all the other leagues as well, where all of these initiatives were player initiated. Very few of them were the league saying, "Hey, we would like to do this. Do you guys are, are you guys on board?" It was the players walking into the boardroom and saying, "Shut up, it's our turn. We're going to talk now, and you're going to listen." And I think that was credit is you know instigated by a bunch of players in Major League Soccer who said, "We're not taking this no more. We we got to do something. We have the platform, and they're going to listen to us because it's literally all of us. We we every last one of us is in this group." So. I thought that was incredible. It's still incredible. You know, the mini pitch initiative that they just announced last month is something that I'm hoping to get on board with on a personal level. And I think if people can read into some of these stories, how people got to where they were and just these collectives and what they're doing to bring change, even immediately, you know, tangible change, just look at how some of these teams and some of these leagues are doing, which leads me to a question that I know you guys will love. Um, if your team, you know, we all represent different teams. You know, Paul and I have you know, DC and Detroit, San Jose. We got Raleigh. We got Minneapolis, St. Paul uh, in Minnesota, uh, as we established. <laughs> but are your teams, do you feel like your teams are doing enough? Do you feel, I mean, we, we yeah. can all talk about U.S. soccer, but do you feel like, have your teams done anything? Like I know, for example, DC United has done some stuff and I'm proud of the work they have done. Is it enough? Absolutely not. But they've, to me, put uh, um, from all the teams that I like, you know, in professional sports, they have done the most to actually back up the fact, you know, they put out a statement. They didn't just let that statement just kind of marinate and walk away and back away slowly. They actually have done the work. They've done, had some of the difficult conversations and they've continued to kind of put resources into some of these initiatives that they said they were going to. So I, I commend them for that. Is it fast enough? Absolutely not. Will it be fast enough? Probably never, it probably never will be, but I would like to see other teams take note from the teams that are doing some of the work because some are doing work. But my question is, uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Are your team, do you feel like your team <laughs> doing enough? Oh, in, in, in uh, you already got to see me. You see me shaking my head over here this mm-hmm. whole time. Remember, um, I, now, so, not the only one that can choose violence now. You know, I, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Um, so, just it's not enough like just not enough I mean so over the summer as we're getting ready for uh you know to for MLS to come back in the stadiums my groups uh for you know one of the groups in the San, for the San Jose earthquakes um one of our members made a Black Lives Matter banner because the stadium or the team was asking if we would bring our banners that we had whatnot to try and fill out the stadium so that the, the players something there you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. uh our honest feeling in our supporters group like in our board 
was that they were going to tell us that we could not put that up. Honestly, we were shocked, shocked that they said yes. So that should tell you something right there that, that we did not think that that was going to be acceptable. So that was up um, around that time. Um, the team started partnering with a, a organization in San Jose. Uh, they're the African-American community service agency. I had to write it down because I keep seeing the act. I keep seeing the letters and can never remember what they are. Um, so uh, they've been partnering with them since the summer, uh, but it's more of the actual charitable arm instead of the team necessarily. Uh, they do once a month, they get together and help with food distribution uh, for the community. And they ran a scarf, a Black Lives Matter scarf with them. But that's it. Like, you know, we asked, you know, you guys asked about uh, Black History Month. I just for the heck of it went back and looked on all their social channels. So all of them there's been one post for Black History Month and it was a sharing of a event that the other organization was hosting that was sponsored by the 49ers and by other organizations. All the Quakes did was just copy and share and say, this is a cool event that's going on. Which mind you, it was a cool event. It was actually, it was actually Angela Davis talking um, and she had this like fireside chat and she talked for like almost two hours. It was a good event, I actually went. By the but, way. What? Talk about heroes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no. So, it was a great event. I enjoyed it a lot. But that's it. They shared it. And as far as I know, they have nothing else planned for the month besides their monthly event that they do with that organization. And not enough. Uh, it's funny that we're having this conversation now because I actually have a meeting with some of the higher ups tomorrow with the team. And this was something that we planned to talk about because they were like, this is not enough. This is not nearly enough. We, I see, we see that you started someplace mm-hmm. and that's great, but it needs to be bigger than this. And I mean, there are players that are in black players for change that used to be with our team that are no longer with our team and have said some things that are not great about our team and how they felt being there. So we need to change it. Absolutely. Marcel, like you and I, you know, we basically have the same line of teams for the most part, like professionally, <laughs> right? DC United. I said that, you know, you know, DC United and a couple of teams have done some things that I'm like, yeah, I applaud you, but you know, do better. Uh, is there anything or are there teams where you're like, yo, I know you may they did something, but they didn't. Well, I think you're right. I mean, like I said, um, I think, we're pretty much in the same language as far as that goes. Um, I do want to give well, I do what well, well, I will give credit to is the WNBA on a whole. I think they handle things tremendously well mm-hmm. um, through all of this. Um, and you know, Detroit doesn't have a team anymore, but you know, the Mystics here. Like I, you know, I kind of felt good. I felt good about the league as well as watching them, just because you know, like. It, like, like as we've been saying, it's one thing to talk the talk, it's something else entirely to walk the walk, and they did it throughout the whole thing. And they got their season done, they got their bubble done, and I know it's like it's just they got their work done while still advancing social change, while still spreading the message. I, I, that's on, I, and I think that league as a whole should get more credit than they do. Um, but as far as our teams, Donald, I, mean, I think it hit, I think, I think it hit the nail on the head. Um, well, I, I don't think I'll ever truly be satisfied, but I'm glad that something's happening. But, you know, we're never going to live in a perfect world. But 
as long as efforts being made. And I do see last night, I do see United, I do see United making an effort, which is good, but you know, more can always be done. Mm-hmm. More can always be done. Ebony, you, uh, you live in my old stomping grounds, North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I, I know there's definitely times where I'm like, yo, this is a forward thinking place. We could do things here. We can, you know, it, it's not, not, it's not my grandmother's North Carolina. It's not my mom's North Carolina. Uh, and then there's some days where I'm like, nope, it very much is. Um, but what, like you, you obviously are, are from there. What, what have you seen from your teams that, that you think, yeah, give them credit. And what have you said, you know, Hey, y'all ain't doing nothing. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, I can give them credit on a couple things. One was the horrible statement they put out about Black Lives Matter when they tried to play both sides and they got called out and they actually walked it back and said, we made a mistake and put out other initiatives and actually kept those initiatives going. And I'll also give them credit for the, um, the task force, the diversity task force that they put together. Um, I serve on it. I'm an active member of it. We have active meetings about it. Um, and there's actual talk of like actually doing things for the community, black community, underdeveloped communities, like all of it, you know? So I can give them credit for forward thinking of those task force, but that's kind of where it stops. Um, I've said this before, February 1st comes the same time every year. It is the same day every year. Um, And to not see my club put out a statement on February 1st after forming a diversity task force, after walking back that statement, it just kind of was like, so this is all for nothing. And like, I love this crest. I'll wear this crest forever, you know? Um, But there you have a lot of work to do. And I guess this is where I choose violence again. Um, there is no, there is, there is no active way that I can legit allow them to live in the work, to operate in the social media space that they do, and not continue to ask the questions of what are you doing for the black players on both of your teams? Because you have the courage too. And we've already seen with the NWSL that Black players were exploited and not provided with the proper resources to handle that type of emotional distress. So as an organization, what are you doing to safely provide resources for your Black players on both of your teams so that they feel heard? And those are questions that I think every team should be asked. Um, but me personally, I, I have to have answers. Um, and they, I don't feel like my team has done enough, is doing enough, or will do enough until who knows. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Not as deep. I mean – Abe, I'm going to, I come to you last, not deliberately, but I think it's good that we did because 
your experience last summer was quite different than everyone else because you're at the epicenter of you were at the epicenter of everything. I mean, me and you were on phone calls like it felt like nightly where we were just like, you know, just texting or, or calling, making sure that the other was good because between you and I, we were we were epicenters for hell for, you know, the better part of a couple months. But what what has been the response from in your mind from you know, Minnesota United or, or just the other teams in the Twin Cities, what what responses have they been knowing that it's a different type of response that they have to provide? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, right? Because yeah, yeah. in ways they did, like, for example, Minnesota United did more than some people would have had expected. At the same time, if I'm being completely honest and open, because, you know, I'm among my people, I got to keep it 100. They haven't lived up to what they could have. They, they haven't understood the circumstances and the dynamic in play. I mean, I was just listening to a friend of mine, uh, Wes. He, he has this podcast, 55-1 podcast, and every year he does an interview with owner dr mcguire and dr mcguire was candid as he often is and it was interesting hearing how defensive he sounded about a thing that he needs to see differently ultimately it it was nice letting letting players speak their truth whenever they needed to it's absolutely a thing any team should do. It's complicated when a team holds that up as an example of how they're showing leadership. Because ultimately saying, hey, we're going to turn to you, the person who's being most affected by these things. You have to do all this emotional labor. And we're not going to find ways on our own that we're not going to say it on our own, we're gonna look at these things, we're gonna do these things, we're gonna put this plan together, we're gonna put this plan out. Going back to the accountability piece, it's not like they said, here is our plan, here are the things we're gonna do, here's when we're gonna do them, here's where we're gonna allocate our resources to make these changes to address these things that we feel that we are missing on. They haven't done those things, they've done things. I'm not gonna knock them for that. They were among the groups of people like the Allianz Field was a ballot drop-off site, right? That's huge. You know, in the middle of a global pandemic, they're doing food drives at their spot. They've they've been involved with United Way. At the same time, it feels like they're not contributing as much as they could to the business environment around the stadium that has pushed out, you know, immigrant people, people of color in to make way for, you know wealthier developers who are like, hey, this area is on the come up. Let's let's come get ours. Um, so it's it's a mixture of things, right? Like the, the Twins, the team near and dear to me, even though they haven't won a title in so long, it's sad. Um, they actually had the, the sense to look at their history and they had a statue of uh, an old owner, Calvin Griffith. They took that statue down. They said, he has said things in the past that we do not agree with. And we cannot honor his legacy with a statue when that stands in direct contrast to our values. That's a powerful thing. Some people are like, oh, you took down the statue. It's like, yeah, but 
the shift in thought that that represents is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Could they do more? Of course. You know, Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball. They're slow to change a lot of things. But at the same time, I mean, so it, it's a mixture, right? You've got Minnesota United uh, on the first day of Black History Month just retweeted some random thing. And I actually ended up DMing a friend cracking up saying, you know, it seems like right now they've got more time for the days of the week than they do for black history. And then the next day saw a black history post and it was about a hockey player, which I was like, and that's on brand. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Minneapolis, you still got the wild. I know. I know RP North. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, I, I'm happy that they're still sharing history, right? And I'm not knocking what they chose to focus on. However, it's like, I know how scheduled tweets work. I know Mm -hmm. you understand the calendar. And when your first tweet of the day is a day of the week, instead of saying, hey, it's Black History Month, buckle up because we got a whole bunch of stuff ready for you. We're going to teach you about some things. I mean, I haven't checked in a little bit, but I don't think they're sharing links about the history of how 94 came through and tore the heart out of a black neighborhood called Rondo. Um, I don't know how much advocacy they're doing talking about uh, finding ways to restore that neighborhood. There's a proposal in front of the city council basically saying they'll put on a, um, a cap over the interstate and basically put green space and housing and commercial space you know, it takes some federal money, it might take some state money, but basically bringing a way back to put houses back that were there before 94 came through and kicked a whole bunch of black people out of a neighborhood that was thriving before it came through. I don't, I don't know if Minnesota United is in a place where they could say things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they know George Floyd's name. I don't, I don't feel in my heart of hearts that they've done enough to honor the tragedy that is the constant oppression of people by police in this nation. Um, there are some there are some teams that will say end systemic racism and show how they're working towards that. And then other teams that will just say the words and not really understand what it really means. I I don't know. So in summary, I mean I've seen I've seen positive signs. I remain hopeful because I'm fundamentally a hopeful person. But no, if if Chris Wright or anyone else from any local sports team outside of the links because you know i'm, I'm not going to throw any shade at, at the at the, the wnba the, they held up a gold standard if if any of them came to me i would say you can do more i know you can you can you can hire more you can present more opportunities to more people and follow through on those things i mean dr mcguire did say you know hey we're not we don't have as many people in the front office of color as we could or women. And he said, part of it is, you know, making people informed of these opportunities. Part of it's also showing that your value is yes, we, we want this kind of a staff. We, we want more of the people in the room who understand these things so that we don't have to hunt around making the supporters do this emotional labor while we've got other things going on in our lives, while we're still trying to get used to the constant sound of helicopters flying overhead, shaking our windows, while we're trying to think of how you get used to the thought of, hey, if there's tear gas, here's what we got to do with these towels. Or, 
if there's IEDs in the alley or getting bug out bags together and neighborhood watches and not sleeping for days proper because you don't know what's going to go down because the state came through and escalated the situation that people are mad and rightfully so and made things worse. Mm-hmm. So ultimately it's, I mean, yeah, it's a lot, you know, but what comes down to it is knowing that there are people like y'all and people who I know, you know, all throughout soccer that are saying, we're, we're not going to just watch these things happen anymore. We're not going to act as though these are someone else's problems. These are our problems. That's a beautiful thing. For sure. And I know living in, you know, DC, San Jose, uh, Raleigh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, like I know the teams, if they're listening, they're going to be like, Oh damn, those guys are on it. They're going to be checking us. We got to be ready. And they should be ready because I will be checking on them. So uh, I do want to, yeah, go ahead. So to build on what Abe just said. So on the first, the courage tweeted about black history month and CFC did not. The courage retweeted all of the initiatives that uproar and OCS was doing and CFC did not. Then the second they put out a statement still didn't retweet anything that OCS did for an entire week where we put out stories, highlighted a black supporter, did a local business, all of that stuff for the whole week. We amplified the USLBPA, Black Girls Hockey Club for our, for our hockey team. We uh, the Black Women's Players Collective um, for the upper side. And then this week, so we did our Black History of NC. They didn't, NCFC didn't retweet it until Tuesday. So it's like, the avenues are there. We are actively working hard. And as a supporters group, we are literally doing the work for you. You just have to amplify it. And they can't even get that right. And it's like, dude, like, it's kind of like what Abe said. Like, there's so much more that could be happening. And it's just a day of the week instead of Black History Month. Yeah, it's it always astounds me and I know it astounds you as well, like how it takes everything for them to do the bare minimum. Uh, like, yeah, how, like we, I mean, we were joking before, like mash that RT button. Yeah, of course it, it takes two seconds to do, to, you know, take someone's story and share it with some, some of these teams, millions of people uh, and one shot. And it's hard for them to even do that, which, uh, they can always do better. And I think every team uh, has not done good at amplifying uh, the stories that are already out there. Like, we, we, I mean, yeah, do the research, do the work. But if someone's doing the work for you, amplify that because that story is unique and it's, and it's authentic and you can take that to the bank. So I think that's something hopefully will improve as the month goes along and the year goes along because Black history is every day, not just February. But I did want to move on to our final segment of the evening and it's she believes cup coming up uh on the 18th 21st and 24th obviously it's become a big annual tradition for uh, u.s soccer and also for us as we embrace uh, our women uh chapter leaders our women members who are doing big things not just for ao but for their community uh which is why uh in no small part uh crystal and ebony are going to take center stage for this this question uh but 
for you two, what does it mean to be a woman chapter leader in an organization that there still isn't a lot of women in this, in these executive positions of power? Are you going to choose violence? Um, okay. Yeah. Why not? It's black history. Month, why not? Um, it's, it's, it's very rewarding because I get to make a positive change, but it is one of the hardest things I do because of the dumb racist, sexist boys, not even men, boys that come into my mentions or make a stupid comment on a Facebook post or, or anything of the sort. And it's like, do I, as a chapter leader, do I tell them about themselves or do I do the political one? And most of the time I tell them about themselves while trying to be political. And that's probably the hardest part of my job. Like leading some chance, tweeting about some games, getting work done for like internally for the chapter, that's easy. I can do that within a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon, drinking a mimosa on the porch. It's the dumb fucks that come into my mentions <laughs> that make this one of the hardest jobs I ever had to do. And, and, it's, and it's not even like they're trying, they are actively that dumb and they're actively that naive that it's like, how do you change something that, it, that they took 30 years to learn and unlearn it and try to get them to unlearn it in two messages? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very rewarding. I will say it is rewarding. It is very fun to meet new people in all of their places and get to talk to people. Like, I wouldn't even know Donald if I didn't travel to 2015 World Cup. And I wouldn't know Crystal. And I wouldn't know Marcel if we didn't go to rally. And I haven't met Abe yet. But I wouldn't have met him this year if it wasn't for the space that we had with A up. But dumb white guys are yeah. gonna be dumb white guys. Uh, I would. I mean, it's kind of similar. I mean, I've I've been around the block a little longer than you, Ebony, and you know, I I kind of had to earn my place, and that's the way I felt. Is you know, I started supporting soccer and there were I mean there still isn't that many women in leadership positions but there were even less and I just had to be one of the guys and earn my spot and had to deal with the ma the mansplaining oh my god I could I was the chapter leader and people are trying to explain to me how to play soccer I'm the okay I mean come on it's ridiculous uh so at this point now, you know, after some time putting in my time, capoing, I mean, I've capoed with every single one of you here <laughs> in one city or another, uh, you know, it's, it's now at this point, I feel like I'm getting less of the, you know, less of what Ebony is dealing with, but maybe it's also because I'm a white passing female, um, you know, versus Ebony, who is a black member of the LGBTQ community um, and you know at this point is just trying to set the set an example for uh, maybe a new chapter leader who's coming through and trying to be a positive influence for them because I didn't have that I just had to kind of make my own way 
Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And Ebony, I don't think that was violence because it was all true. I've seen <laughs> I've seen you interact with these people, and sometimes I'm like, <laughs> like yo, like it, it's it's hard, like it's kind of hard for me, right? Like it's hard because I'm like. Yo, Ebony needs help. I need to back her up. I need to support her. I need to get up in there and, and dig in someone's ass and, and let them know what time it is. And then sometimes I'm like, they mess with Ebony. That's their fault. That's their funeral. <laughs> let them handle it. Like she gonna handle it. And I'm just gonna sit here and watch, watch this, watch it fall. Right. So like how like what is that? When that happens, are you like, man, I wish someone people some people have my back? Or is there sometimes where you're like, it's cool, I got this. How does that, I mean, because there's, there's times where both may come into play, but like, what do you normally feel when like someone comes after you and your mentions like that? Um, we'll see. Oh, let's, mm. uh, it mostly comes down to how much time do I have? If it's an off day for me, we can go back and forth all day. This is just, this is just play time for me. Um, if it's if I've if I've got to be to work in an hour, I'm gonna shut it down real quick and just keep it going. Uh, I mean, I defend this group because I love this group and I love the potential it could have to go back to what it wasn't meant to be. Um, and we have far too often let let the silence be complicit and in 2020 that taught me you cannot do that because silence is just as deadly as the maliciousness of some of these people um so me speaking up i don't need help i mean the more people that clown this guy into oblivion sure let's all get some jokes off at this point um but it's more about them having their worst fear known, which is a black woman is telling you to shut up and you're wrong. <laughs> and they already don't like women telling them what to do, but a black female, a black gay female, oh, they got to log off forever. <laughs> Delete your account. Yeah, <laughs> just your like, account. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> log off is in the corner. You can do it. Like, it's just a matter of like, if I know I can't change someone's mind about something, I'm just doing it for laughs at that point. Now you just gotta be clowned in front of the world and that's on you. Like, you made me wake up and choose violence. I was just merely a bystander. I woke up, had a cup of coffee, was scrolling through Twitter and you said something stupid. Now you gotta get roasted. You're gonna be darker than the coffee I'm drinking. Like, I don't know what it is about what it is, but I can't help it. It's just a matter of me, like, it's a matter of me trying to diffuse the situation, but also let you know I'm about this. And I'm doing the work to make sure that my spaces for, for females, for Black fans, for gay fans, for any fan to know that you have a space beside me. And if you have a space beside me, you will be heard. Because uh, a, a lot of people didn't have that. You know, like Crystal said, like she had to blend in and I'm not about blending in. I'm going to give you everything 100% full front. And if that's something you don't like, unfollow is the same place you hit follow. Like it. 
uh, I mean, as we close this out, this question is obviously someone, something I want to post to the two of you, but Marcel and Abe, I'll, I also want to get, you know, our opinion as well uh, on how we can help what the, what answers come out of Crystal and Ebony. Uh, but this question is, what can men do? Like, what can men do to advance the causes that are important to women and to give you more of a platform? And I'm not saying that to say that you guys don't have flat platforms because you both obviously do. You choose violence on the regular. I see it. You've, you've probably burnt, you've probably destroyed more burners per capita than most people on Twitter. Uh, but the, the idea that you still, that women as a whole still need uh, to be amplified. Like what, like how does, how does, how do the men factor into that equation in your minds? Chris, I'll start with you on that one. Um, just being supportive and amplifying our voices. So, it, you know, validating our concerns and letting us be heard. Uh, I mean, I, I said the word before, mansplaining. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to be able to be supportive and understand that we know as much as you do. And, and you know, and some of us know more than what you know. Sorry, we do. I mean, <laughs> and uh, for me, you know, I, I don't choose violence as often as Ebony. So I, I don't mind, you know, someone, someone jumping in and backing me up um, because it just means I don't have to spend as much time on this stupid P POS, like <laughs> just for real. Yeah, Ebony? Um, <laughs> I think the best thing you could do is to know when it's time to amplify versus intervene. Um, there are many, the time to amplify uh, is a lot higher than the time to intervene, but that time to intervene is when you finally, this was like when you, it's when you check your boy and you go, hey, like you hit that line of disrespect or now, or you hit that line of intolerance or or anything of that sort, where now I'm going to jump in and tell you about yourself and tell you who these people are and what they've done and how they will kick your ass at any moment, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just a matter of, and you, and I feel like a lot of the collective men in this organization know when that moment is. Um, it's just a matter of making sure you, A, feel comfortable amplifying and B, knowing, feel comfortable intervening. And if you're not comfortable doing that, it's time to get comfortable doing that. Because there are some very strong voice, women, female voices out there, um, non-male voices, I should say, out there that are ready to be amplified in the best way possible to give, <clears throat> I guess, to give, it's like for you guys to give them the space to do it, as well as to give them to the, I don't want to say opportunity, because that feels like, that feels like a bad word for that. Um, but just to give them the space that they need to make their point and to say, she's right, you know? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these female leaders aren't hearing your right. They're just hearing your right, but. Sometimes the sentence can stop at right. You know? And that's kind of where we need you guys to know, to amplify that, your right. 
Yeah. Uh, Marcel, as we wrap up, like what, adding to what they said, or really just backing up what they said, because they, they explained it a lot better than I probably could. But for you, like what, like, what do you feel that you can do as far as like, as, as a chapter leader, as, as someone who's prominent in, in DC soccer community, well respect NAO, like what, what do you feel like you can do, what I can do, what Abe can do that will lend to the, the voice that they're already, you know, elevating? Well, I think that Crystal and Ebony had raised some excellent points. I mean, be attentive, be there, be, be open, amplify their voices, but also everyone knows when there's a line that's crossed and everyone knows when it's time to shut people down or intervene. I don't know how I'm doing that. I just don't have time most of the time, but if, if something needs to be done, especially if someone, especially within some build AO in general or my chapter in particular, I have no problem stepping in. And I just think that we all need to be able to do that and be willing to support everyone in our chapter, you know, not every non-male in our chapter, who because we all have something to say. We all have something valid to say. And I think that we need to get used to the idea that people with valid voices won't always be won't always be won't always be men, will always won't always be male. And that we just need to understand and understand that that's just life and that's how we all need to just we all need to be be understand that that's how it is and that's how it should be and we can't be afraid to step up and defend these other voices when they need it and yeah it's just just being prepared and being ready to do that to be that voice to be the amplification to be that defense to be that that backup for lack of a better term and I think if we're all willing to do that, these other voices will feel more comfortable speaking up. And that's what we want. Yeah, I think for, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say to go along with that sentiment, I mean, cause yes, y'all have presented it as, as clearly as possible. It's, it's a well-stated case. And along with what Marcel was saying, for me, it's also getting to know the voices. So, I mean, yeah. I know Ebony well enough now from Twitter stuff that I know when I don't need to say anything because she's got it more than in hand. She's on a heater, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I'm just going to hang back and like and cackle a little bit and just let people know this is entertaining me. Because, um, yeah, people aren't really up in my menchies. Uh, I, I think it helps that a lot of people know I'm not a small person and I'm not to be trifled with. <laughs> and I just don't have that time. If, if you're going to make it a problem, I'm more likely to just mute you and move along with my day because I don't care. Um, I can be petty. I've been, I'm working on being less petty just because it's better energy for me. However, I will go there and I will clown someone just like Ebony will. But ultimately, it's, it's finding as many voices as possible that you can amplify, that you can get to know so that you are better calibrated to knowing, hey, this is more of a problem. They might've had tweeted a thing out, like, you know, knowing that someone's team lost that morning, they might have less patience for a certain thing, right? Or, you know, a Jersey drop that they were excited about that you thought they were crazy for, but whatever. Courage kept putting up bad jerseys, but Ebony yeah. doesn't agree with me. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that Crystal Dunn is on the thorns because I bought the dark rose kit and 
for the culture got me uh got me a name set coming and i'm gonna have a crystal dunn jersey (laughs) hey hey hold up i i do not have an nwsl team i get to pick whichever players i want so there um i am very happy for lynn williams i hope she gets another title i don't care i want all of them to get titles i want everyone everyone to win all the things ultimately though jokes aside yeah for me it's a lot of just like a lot more of the people I follow on Twitter these days is are are not male voices because it it shows me perspectives that I otherwise wouldn't have seen and paints things in ways that I try to think of but you know they're just they're just certain things I never think of like you know the classic story of like me walking down a sidewalk and seeing a woman walk the other side of the block and me as a black male being like, what did I do? But the other layer of, you know, the woman who was much smaller than me and going through life constantly being catcalled or harassed or the violence that men represent in a general sense, you know, someone who once said, hey, if we're walking on the same side of the street, I've, I've been out one night where the dude walked to the other side of the block so that I could stay on my side and he could stay on his side. And I wasn't being followed by someone, even though it's two people just going about their day. It's reframing things sometimes. I mean, other times it's like, look, if I'm standing in an elevator and you suddenly change your purse from one side to the other when I walk in, but I notice you didn't do it when the white guy walked in, come on now. That's a different thing. But just just being being able to expose yourself to open your mind to more perspectives that then allow you to be more empathetic because ultimately that's really what we need is I feel like empathy leads to equality because if you understand a person's problems, you're more receptive to ways of ameliorating them or even understanding in the first place that they're a problem. If, if someone's going to be all, Oh, well, you know, (laughs) civil war is about states' rights. It's like, yeah, but states' rights to do what? Right. If, if you're not, if you're not going to pay attention to the root of the thing, we can't have a conversation. If we're not going to come from a shared vocabulary, we're just going to talk past each other. So ultimately, I feel like it's incumbent upon us to do the best we can of when you find someone who will say things that you might not necessarily be comfortable with, that you figure out why you've got discomfort and then respond from a place of at least understanding. Because yeah, sometimes the person's going to be wrong. It doesn't matter how how they go about their life sometimes people are just wrong but if your default position is they're wrong because they're not my gender then you're always going to be wrong mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree and i think i think the only thing i can add to it everything that you guys said is just you know making sure that the spaces remain safe welcoming for for women for you know people of color all because too many times i hear people tell me like, yeah, I didn't go because it you know, just didn't feel right. I, I was by myself or that's, like that, right? That's true. And that's something we haven't really even appro- you know, discussed. But I, I mean, I can talk about times where I've felt as the only female that maybe this isn't a safe place for me to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Ebony can speak to any of those experiences, but I mean, that's, that's huge is making sure that this, this is some place that feels okay to be in because if I don't feel okay, then you know that someone else doesn't feel okay. And that means they're not coming back. 
Right. And, and that, in that family aspect thing, right? Like I know if mm-hmm. I'm at a, at a game or, or something like that and someone's like, Hey, you know, I wanted to go to the AODC party, but just not feeling right going by myself. Like I let them know like, Hey, Marcel's there. Like, you know, our Sam, who's a really good friend of ours, like she's a vice president, like, Hey, she's there, like find them. They will take care of you. They will make sure that you feel welcome and that they'll introduce you to people who will make sure you have a great time. Like those sort of things that may be very small, but for them, it, it gives them an option of saying, and it, sometimes they take it up, you know, take us up on it. They go, they meet Marcel, they meet Sam, they meet whoever, and they go, oh, I had a great time. Thanks for, you know, giving, putting me at ease about going. And sometimes they still don't feel comfortable because like, hey, I, you know, Marcel is probably a great guy. I just, you know, just not feeling it tonight. No big deal. And I feel like those sort of things are, we need to make it so that those conversations are had as well. So that we are constantly checking ourselves. And even, even for me, like at national events, like we have to check ourselves every time to make sure that no one, I hate if someone's like, Hey, I'm not going to this thing because last time I had a bad experience. Like I, I want that to not be the the case ever. I want that to be where people said, Hey, I, I was, I admit I was uneasy about going, but I met all these people uh, and you know, everyone made me feel welcome. And now I'm bringing, you know, it made me feel comfortable bringing, bringing my friends to this. And, and that's how this organization grows. That's how, I mean, that's how we all met, right? Like we didn't just show up at a party by ourselves. I mean, I probably did because I, I do dumb stuff like that sometimes, but like we all were introduced to someone, right? Like we didn't just show up and hang at the back and just, you know, put it out there, you know, put it there, man. Like, good to meet you. Like someone came up and showed, and gave us a beer, from for Ebony, I gave her a shot uh, of something that I, I don't remember, but it was Canadian. Uh, but like, just literally, it was just like that welcoming thing to say, like, you're one of us. You're welcome here. You're 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 safe. And and if anyone, you know, Jesus Himself thought to disrespect you, you got back up. You got people what with you, and that sort of thing, I think, is what's going to make all of this move forward. Because everyone, we need everyone to be a part of that. It can't just be. You know, like it, it doesn't have to be, it shouldn't be where I have to tell Marcel, hey, someone's coming, look out for him. It should be like, they're going to come and they may not meet Marcel the entire night, but everyone else at the bars, you're new, you're with us, your family. So that's hopefully what you guys have experienced. And obviously it hasn't been all the time, but I do hope that it's something that we can build on that and continue to make that inclusion be at the forefront of everything we do uh, for women and for people of color as we move forward. So uh, I do think we've run out of time. We ran a little long, but it was a great conversation. It was was fun. Uh, And I I don't think uh, anyone's going to be upset that it ran over an hour, but I do want to thank all of you, uh, Crystal, Marcel, Abe, Ebony for joining us tonight. Uh, Really appreciate your thoughts. Really, Really appreciate the conversation. Uh, it's one of many that should be held. And I, I'm glad that we're all, you know, friends and family enough that we can have some of the, have some of these, you know, hard conversation have some of these conversations that make us think and make us laugh and, you know, make us, you know, emotional. Uh, but that's part of what this is. So uh, that'll do it for us tonight. I hope you, every, everyone that listened in can think about how you can be the change that we all see. Continue this conversation listen to this over again after you listen to it talk with your fellow members talk with your families talk with your chapter leaders we can't we can't do this by ourselves we as an organization can't do this we need everybody 
moving forward with us and walking with us. So if we can all do something every day to improve our community, then we can truly say we're in change. So uh, for, again, for Marcel, for Crystal, for Abe, and for Ebony, I'm Donald. Good night, everybody. Oh, I'm so...